Now, we're not going to be about, you know, slogans and all this, whatever it may, it may be. Um, the best player going to play, you know, the toughest dude going to play, and uh, ain't no fluff. How bad is number two on it? Calvin Ridley for six. In the 2021 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Kyle Pitts. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. What's up, guys? We're back with another episode of the Heads Up Podcast, your source for all things Falcons related. My name's Jesse Head, host of the show, and I am fired up right now. I've got the Hall of Fame game on in the background. They were just going through some of the ceremonial stuff and everything before the kickoff with Calvin Johnson and Charles Woodson, and um, now they're currently playing. So if you hear something in the background, uh, that's what's going on. Obviously, as a as a diehard football fan, I'm certainly not cutting off the Hall of Fame game, but definitely wanted to get an episode out before the weekend. Um, but uh, guys, for this episode, we're going to be getting into some of the uh, big surprises and topics that are coming out of training camp, um, some of the things that were are a little bit unexpected. But uh, basically, man, for this episode, we're just going to run through some news um, that's going on um, through training camp. Obviously, we've had a couple weeks of training camp now, so there's a ton of news uh, to talk about, a ton of topics to talk about. And then we're also going to talk about some of the biggest surprises as far as individual players. We'll probably um, pick uh, three different players um, to talk about. That's what I've got kind of got in mind here. And then we'll have a couple honorable mentions of some of the people that are, uh, you know, just some of the bigger surprises. But speaking of big surprises, um, I kind of have an announcement for the podcast. Uh, one of the things, obviously, that you guys know that I wanted to do when I started this thing was be extremely tr- uh, transparent and connected with the listeners. Um, I wanted our listeners to feel a part of this show, connected. I didn't want it to feel like you were just listening to a robot um, every single week when you cut on uh, the podcast. Uh, I wanted it to be you know, insightful and analytical, um, but I wanted it to feel like bar talk, too. I wanted it to feel like you know, you're just sitting down there, uh, sitting down, hanging out with the boys, talking some football. Um, and I think over you know the past several months we've accomplished um, doing that. But the big news that I have is that um, this podcast is going to be the official Atlanta Falcons podcast of the Fan Sided Network. Um, so we are uh, really fired up for that. I, I had a meeting uh, about um, a week and a half ago uh, with uh, Fan Sided. And uh, Fansided is owned by Minute Media. They also own uh, the Players Tribune. I'm sure you've heard of them as well. They own several different sports networks and sports outlets. But the Fansided Network is one of their biggest ones. And uh, basically, they have a network of podcasts. And they were looking for somebody to come and be their uh, official Atlanta Falcons podcast of the fan-sided network. And uh, I thought I was getting catfished at first when I got the email, uh, but then I looked them up on LinkedIn, make sure they were legit and everything, and um, had a uh, had about an hour-long conversation with them about you know their expectations and everything. Honestly, I basically uh, they basically set it up for me to interview them um, and just walk through you know what their expectations were and everything. And they basically told me this. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep keep being what you're being, um, and and that's what's working. And we just want to be a support outlet for you. 
Um, so that's what it's going to be, man. This is uh, going to be an avenue, basically, of just support to uh, you know get sponsors and to uh, put content out there and to promote the podcast and everything. Um, and um, you know, all they ask is um, that uh, you know they I be a part of the fan sided network, and at any point I can you know say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, that was uh, you know kind of in the uh, the conversations and agreements and talks that we had, but. Huge thanks to everyone out there that's been a part of the podcast, that's a listener, that's left a review, uh, that shared the podcast, whatever the hell it is, man. Extremely grateful uh, for all the support. When I did this, man, I was just doing this because I like talking Falcons football, and I didn't have anyone to talk Falcons football with, so I said, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to record myself um, and put this shit out there and see if anybody likes it, and um, it just started blowing up, man, so so it's super cool to to do this, uh, you know, a couple times a week, I, I, I you know, 100% enjoy it, I love doing the research aspect of it, and this... Um, what we have going on here is only going to further uh, the opportunities uh, of content and you know uh, you know outreach and all those different things like that, man. So it's only going to help it blow up. So if you're a listener uh, before this day and this moment here, man, you were one of the OGs, man. So uh, thank you so much for your support, man. I appreciate it. But man, we got a lot of good topics to get to here, man. Training camp is heating up, man. Like I said, uh, we've got some really really good news coming out of training camp. Some stuff that was unexpected. Uh, I'll tell you this: a lot of these topics are going to absolutely um, kind of destroy some of my previous episodes and predictions and expectations that I had, uh, man. So we got a lot of different stuff to get into, man. So really fired up for that. So we're going to jump into this, but before we get to that, we all hate when we lose our balls in the rough on the golf course. Well, imagine how your girl feels with all those pubes around your pearls. It's a bad look, bro. She does not like it no matter how much she pretends she's okay with it. That's why I'm telling you about Manscaped.com. You've seen the ads and the commercials before. They are the top provider for all your trimming needs to make sure you never nick those pearls down below. They've got a brand new lawnmower 4.0 made specifically for a comfortable trim. This is top of the line stuff, guys. Get the performance package and I can get you 20% off and free shipping using the code FANSIDED20. Inside this package, you'll get their Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker for those annoying ear and nose hairs that you get, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxers, and you're going to get a travel bag uh, to hold all the ball stuff that you've got there in. Now, you're only going to get this deal here at the Heads Up Falcons podcast. So, go to manscaped.com, use that code I told you about, FANSIDED20, for 20% off and free ship. So one of the things that I did not expect to happen, Foise can moved to middle linebacker, and Deion Jones is moved over to kind of that weak side linebacker uh, position, uh, which, you know, in the 3-4, the weak side is still kind of technically a middle linebacker, um, but at the end of the day, we'll be running nickel package about 70% of the time. Uh, so that doesn't really apply at all. Anyway, so uh, Deion Jones moved to the weak side linebacker, Foise to the middle linebacker role. This was something that I had heard a lot of rumors about, but I did not expect this to actually happen. Just based off of Deion Jones' career and everything he's accomplished, he's been acknowledged as one of the better 
middle linebackers in the NFL. And at one point, you know, I, I remember that people were kind of you know crowning him as kind of a top five middle linebacker in the NFL. Deion Jones is actually heavier than Foise, but you would not expect that by looking at them at all. I thought when I did when I looked it up, I was expecting Foise to be about 230, 235, something like that. He is not, dude. Deion Jones is actually about 225, and Foise is only about 215. Uh, so I did not expect that when I looked that up. But Foise plays a kind of a bigger type linebacker type role in the sense of how he plays the game. Deion Jones has obviously been great at a lot of things. Um, so don't think, as I'm going through this, I'm taking any shots at Deion Jones. Just sometimes other people just kind of fit little things better. It doesn't make them a better player, but sometimes they fit certain little things better. They're both extremely solid in coverage uh, coverage skills, but Foise's ability to shed blockers at the line of scrimmage and in the trenches is what separates him from De- uh, Deion Jones and what the coaches see him as a better fit for that middle linebacker role. Deion Jones is at his best when he's doing this. He's at his best when he's chasing down running backs on checkdowns and rolling out and uh, or running backs that are rolling out or wide receivers or tight ends that are rolling out and run, and runs to the outside. He's a sideline to sideline uh, linebacker. And that fit into Dan, Qu- Dan Quinn's scheme perfectly. That's exactly what he expected him to do. Um, he's extreme. He has a lot of speed and everything. When he and he takes extremely smart angles, man, that's what makes him good at those type of things. But one of the things that he struggled with tremendously was getting off of blocks in the trenches. Uh, one of the play, one of the points of attack the uh, the most last year for for us in the run game was in the trenches, and they feel that Foise can fight the trenches a little bit better. And if you go back and look at the film. Foise definitely seems to have a better case for fighting in the trenches. I don't know why it is. Maybe it's just Dion plays more of a speed game instead of a power game, and Foise is a little bit the opposite. Although Foise does do some, you know, impressive speed type things, especially in coverage and, and whatnot. But the, uh, Dion, they just feel better that Foise can play um, in the trenches better, and the film kind of backs it up, man. So I'm excited to see this a little bit worried in a sense that, you know, Foise has been playing, the, you know, the strong side backer role for his career. Um, but we'll see, man. Uh, you know, one of the normal duties of the weak side linebacker is covering the running back. Uh, so you look at your linebacker roles. We'll just kind of go uh, take it back to fundamentals, if you will. Uh, strong side backer for a reason plays to the strong side of the offense or um, of the offense, right? So if there's a tight end formation, so if you're coming out there and they're, let's just say they're running a 12 personnel um, and they've got a tight end um, at the line of scrimmage and a running back uh, and then you've got your linebackers, the strong side backer is lined up directly across, normally directly across from the tight end. The middle linebackers lined up in the middle and then the weak side linebackers on the opposite side. And he has the responsibility of the running back. Um, so that's what Deion Jones is going to be doing um, now. He will have um, that weak side responsibility, um, and it probably bodes you know well for his for the type of um, type of uh, play that he has. Um, so I think uh, this will benefit his abilities and his skill set um, in the best way uh, you know possible for him out there. So. I think this is a good mood overall. Again, I am still a little bit worried. We'll see how it pans out. Um, But on paper, this makes a whole lot of sense. 
Um, so, uh, you know, the linebacking crew is one of the stronger points of our defense um, in the sense that, you know, we've got Foiseo Lewican at middle linebacker, Deion Jones at the weak side, Dante Fowler at that jack roll, and Michael Walker at the strong backer roll. So that's a good crew of linebackers um, when you look at it on paper. So this will be an interesting one to watch, especially with Dean Pease, a little sprinkle of what he likes to do um, with his defense and especially with his linebackers and how he likes to um, use them in uh, versatile ways and different ways that he uses them. One of the other big things... Um, that is still uh, out there right now. Dante Fowler is still out with the Rona. Um, this is not what you want to hear at all for a guy that just came off of what we would consider a little bit of a rough season uh, based off of everything that he's done in his past. You know, Dante Fowler was supposed to be a premier pass rusher for us at that Jack linebacker role. Um, you know, he was supposed to be the other premier pass rusher besides Grady Jarrett. Um, one thing I'll say is, you know, Dean Pease spoke extremely high of Dante Fowler and what he's been doing in the offseason, off saying he's in great shape, doing everything that he should be doing. And, you know, that's what your coach should say about you. So I'm not going to put too much stock into that. I'd like to see it versus hear it. Um, you know, but after his year, you know, after the year that he just had, you know, his fans, and I'm sure the coaches probably feel the same way, you want to see him out there getting the reps under the new regimen. Um, in this new offense, you don't want him to be watching it. You don't want want him to be seeing it on video. Um, you want him to be out there actually doing it, especially after the product that he gave us. I will give him this. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he was injured last year. I remember Dan Quinn came out and said something. Um, no, not Dan Quinn, but uh, Raheem Morris came out and said something about, you know, hey, he needs to step up. And then he tweeted out, then deleted, tweet, delete. These athletes love that. Uh, tweeted out and deleted that he said, um, he said, you know, they'll tell you that, but they won't tell you that I was injured with the shoulder shit and whatever the hell he said. But um, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll say he was injured. And you know, to back that up, other than 2020, the years where Fowler has had less than eight sacks were his rookie year in 2018 when he was traded midseason to the Rams. Uh, when, he, when he had full uninterrupted seasons, he put some good shit together. Uh, 11 and a half sacks and uh, a lot of other things, eight, seven sacks, stuff like that. So he's had extremely successful seasons. And most of the unsuccessful ones, you can kind of put an asterisk beside it so far. So the expectation uh, moving forward is that he comes out there and he improves drastically. Uh, a successful season for me in my eyes is I expect seven sacks. Seven sacks or more is the expectation that he should give us for us, for him to be a difference maker on our defense and a difference maker in the sense of wins and losses, not just difference makers in, um, you know, uh, games, stats, and stuff like that. If he gets seven or more stats in the season with Grady Jarrett's effort, John Kaminsky's effort, and Deion Jones and all these other guys that are going to be contributors, that will make a major difference and that will, that will win us one or more, you know, one or more games. Uh, then we expect it to win if he can show up in that style. He is extremely important to the success of our defense and the Falcons uh, in general. Another uh, major concern uh, coming out, so this isn't really a surprise, this is more of a fucking disappointment, but major concerns coming out of camp. Richie Grant, uh, who most of you know, 
uh, I've been extremely high on. Okay, so I kind of talked about at the beginning of this that I was going to shit on my own parade here um, in the sense that I was going to give, I was going to put some things out there that I have been talking about that were talking points for our team's success. Um, And I kind of lobbied in the sense for Richie Grant uh, over Eric Harris. But what I'm hearing from camp is that uh, a lot of the sources that I have, especially on Twitter, folks that I follow out there on Twitter, and y'all should follow too, like uh, Tori McElhannon with The Athletic, Kevin Knight with The Falcoholic. Um, These folks have been at training camp. I don't know how the hell they have time for it, but they figure out a way to do it. It's incredible. Um, But... Um, they have been tweeting out, a lot of people have been tweeting out, uh, not just them, that Richie Grant has not been um, with the first team. Um, and even more so than that, a lot of people are saying that he's in rotation with the second team, which is extremely surprising. My expectation um, when we drafted him is that he was going to play a vital role in Dean P's offense or defense with the skill set that he had. He plays an extremely versatile game in the sense that he can do a lot of different things. He can drop back deep. He can come up in the box. He can blitz. He can play in the slot. He can do all kinds of different things, and he's not doing that, Um, at least not with the first team and just a little bit with the second team, which is concerning, Um, especially you expect your second-round draft pick to go out there and be extremely successful. You expect your second-round draft pick to be getting the reps. Um, so that's a little bit concerning. You, you want to be hearing good things about about him, and we're not. So that's a little bit odd uh, for him. That is not some news that I was expecting to come out um, at all uh, from training camp. But I don't know what the deal is with that. Uh, you know, it could be – we could know nothing, and there could be a little bit of injury that they're nursing, just trying to kind of ease him in. Uh, but if he's getting in rotation, that's a little bit weird. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the hell it is. Maybe the thing that makes the most sense is that uh, it's a film film room or intelligence type thing, and he's just not fully getting it quite yet. Um, or you know, maybe he's not a hard worker. Uh, whatever it, whatever it may be, at this point, you would figure all the research that the NFL these NFL teams have that they would find out something uh, like that by now. But that is a little bit concerning. I'm not getting too far ahead of myself, but your second round pick should be in there. Um, so that's, that's a little bit concerning. And I thought that he would be a vital role to this, to this defense. I thought they'd have him in there day one out of everybody that we drafted, you know, obviously Kyle Pitts, I put him in it. He's basically in my mind already a veteran of the NFL, just based off his skill set and what he brings to the table. Um, but the fact that he, that, that Richie Grant's not in there is extremely disappointing, uh, to me and concerning. The other thing I've got on this list is, man, 12 personnel is in is full tilt right now. This is going to be one of the deadliest packages that we put on the field. Um, for those that don't know, the 12 personnel is not a formation. It's a personnel unit. Um, it's one running back, two tight ends. Um, you can guess those people. Um, it's going to be Calvin Ridley. And Russ Gage at wide receiver, most likely. Sometimes they'll switch this out just depending on you know play calls and different things like that. Um, but basically, it's one running back, two tight ends, right? So Calvin Ridley, Russ Gage, Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst, and then a running back, either Cordell Patterson or, um, or uh, uh, Mike Davis. One of the things that I've been seeing a lot of 
Cordero Patterson is looking extremely sharp in camp. Um, a lot of things coming out is just, you know, it, things that we, we, we know this already, but Cordero Patterson's ability in the open field is absolutely incredible. Um, but this, you know, this group that we, that we have right here, that group that I just mentioned with Patterson at running back, there's nothing that you can do to stop that. Um, unless every one of your players is just executing on perfection. But when you see those guys in the huddle, okay, a Kyle Pitts, a, Cal, a Calvin Ridley, a Russ Gage, a Hayden Hurst, but we'll take it to the tight ends, Kyle, Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst, okay? Forget your wide receiver types. You know, it, it, as a defensive coordinator, you see those people in the huddle and you say, okay, we need to put a certain package in. But, you know, most people, they're putting in, you know, the uh, kind of maybe like a nickel package or something like that. But even then, that doesn't work. Okay. So you're trying to find something that can comp- compensate for the lack of ability to cover two extremely t- talented, you know, tight ends like a Kyle Pitts and a Hayden Hurst. So let's just say you go with the nickel package. I mean, that's still not good enough because you're putting a corner. I mean, at that point, you put your probably put your corner on Kyle Pitts. Um, and then you put a, a, a your your best coverage tight end on a Hayden Hurst, and Hayden Hurst can beat most you know really good coverage tight ends, and Kyle Pitts is going to dominate by size and power and strength, dominate uh, uh, any cornerback you put on him, and there's just not there's just nothing you can do, and you also you don't know what formation they're going to come out there with. With Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst and their ability to, you know, uh, farewell in the blocking game and their ability also to stand out wide, you could come out there in a base set, okay, a base set with both of them down in three-point stance, or you could come out in a two-by-two set with everybody out wide. It could be, you know, it could be that base set. It could be the two-by-two set. It could be a trips right. It could be a million different things. It, you know, it can be a two-by-two-set uh, two bunch. There's just so many different things you can do with that, and you don't know what personnel to put in there. I'm telling you right now we're going to see a lot of timeouts when 12 personnel is going on in there. These opposing defense are not going to know what to do with, when you put this, this personnel set. Now, the only thing that's going to come that could, that is going to – prevent this from being just absolutely dominating out there is them is all these guys catching on to the playbook being comfortable with the play calls and all the different things not going to get too ahead of myself but with this form and I'm not saying that we have the perfect offense either I'm not saying that we have all the perfect guys or anything like that but I'm just saying when you line up all those guys out there with the ability of Cordell Patterson to run the ball outside with his ability to catch screens, with Calvin Ridley's ability to go deep, uh, his route running ability with separation, Kyle Pitts' ability to dominate anyone that lines up in front of him for the most part. Maybe other, there may be one person that can guard him, maybe Jalen Ramsey or something like that. But with his ability to win a lot of battles with one-on-ones, Russ Gage, Hayden Hurst, whatever the hell you want to do, this is an, off, this is an offense that's extremely difficult to cover. Um, so at the end of the day, you're going to have to have extremely good coverage. Your defense is going to have to have one of their best days of the year, or we're going to have to fall on our face. Um, but this is obviously an extremely difficult, uh, offense to cover. Um, but the reason I say that is that 12 personnel 
is being practiced a lot. Um, it's one of the most um, popular uh, personnel sets that we groups that we've been seeing out there in training camp. I've seen it tweeted out from everybody. I've seen articles on it from everybody. Uh, even uh, uh, Ian Rappaport said something about it. Everybody's talking about how often these guys are doing that 12 personnel. And, they, and obviously, he did a lot of it with the Tennessee Titans with Juno Smith. And I can't think of the other name. But I'll tell you this. These two guys are better than the two tight ends that he had in Tennessee. And he was extremely successful with it there. And we've got guys that I think can be more successful with it. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I'll tell you that. The biggest thing at the end of the day is going to be the offensive line. Um, and that's a perfect segue into talking about the rising names uh, that are coming up here. Um, or that uh, I talked about at the beginning of the episode. I told you we were going to talk about some of these unexpected names that are kind of being kind of at the top of the leaderboards if you will as far as potential uh, making you know making a name for themselves being in those uh, th- that first team potential lineups things like that and that first name is uh, Jalen Mayfield Jalen Mayfield um, he is he, he is taking his opportunity by storm one of the things I, I had a conversation with one of the project executives at my company the other day and we talked about you know most people that are extremely successful are lucky. Okay, um, but it's not about how lucky you can get. It's about what you do when that lucky opportunity is presented to you. And Jalen Mayfield is make is uh, taking uh, he's taking full advantage of this opportunity. So Caleb McGarry, you know, and Gono are out. Caleb McGarry's out. He's on the um, the the pup list. Uh, Gono's out for the entire training camp, which is heartbreaking to hear. Both these guys. So he's been getting all the first team reps at right tackle. Um, a lot of people are loving this. They wanted to see Jalen Mayfield, our third-round pick, uh, get the reps. They wanted to see him be successful, and I understand that that's awesome. My, this I, I don't like this at all. You know, the expectation, you know, for me was that you know we'd see a competitive battle um, at that right tackle role between several players, um, and and we're not getting to see that. We're not, you know, competition. Puts the best man on the field. Competition breeds excellence. I hate to go Dan Quinn on you, but iron sharpens iron. Uh, but it's extremely I, – I don't like this at all. I mean, I want to see these guys compete, and we're seeing Jalen Mayfield kind of take on that right tackle role. Maybe when Caleb McGarry comes back, they're going to insert him right into that starting role. But the reality is we don't know who was going to be that guy. We don't know – who was going to, what their expectation was. We have an idea about that and we'll, uh, and we'll get to that in a minute with a certain player, but they kind of had some things in mind and ideas of what they wanted to do. You know, take out Caleb McGarry, take out Gono, two people that we thought were going to be, you know, competitors for, you know, various offensive line roles. And, and you pull those guys out that could potentially be top guys for us. And then you insert Jalen Mayfield. Now, with all that being said, Again, he is a rising name. I love Jalen Mayfield. I want him to be successful and stuff, but I also want the best man to go out there and, and, and so we could start building cohesiveness with our offensive line. And I feel like we're missing out on an opportunity to do that with those guys being out. But Jalen Mayfield, 
from what I'm hearing, from what I'm seeing, of course, I don't get to look at the training camp game film every single play, but I'm seeing clips here and there, and I'm hearing what other great, reliable sources out there are saying. And Jalen Mayfield is... Uh, doing well. He's out there holding his own, um, being guided by some of these leaders and doing well. So that is the first name on my rising names um, that are coming out of training camp. The other one is Christian Blake. This was an unexpected one for me. Uh, Y'all heard me a couple weeks, or uh, yeah, I think it was a couple weeks ago when I did my wide receivers training camp one, uh, talking about the wide receiver room. I was pretty much calling him the odd man out, uh, saying that he was, you know, out of everybody that we had, he was not going to be the one that we started seeing emerging. But tons of uh, sources have, you know, the top perform. He was one of the top performers outside of Gage and Ridley. Um, I still think it's a long shot that he beats out Alamide Zacchaeus based off his previous performance. And I'm hearing some positive things about Alamide, but I'm seeing a ton of shit about you know Christian Blake and what he's been putting out there. But all these positives. Uh, that I've been seeing with the wideouts, all this positive uh, wideout news that I've been uh, seeing just helps solidify my comfort with this wide receiver room. You know, and additionally, on the other side of that, you got Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst, and all this stuff who are basically receivers within themselves in their own way. Um, one of the things I'm, I, I tell you, I'm not happy about is I haven't been hearing a lot about my boy Frank Darby, which makes me sad because I love Frank Darby. He passes all the vibe checks. But I ain't been hearing hearing much about his play on the field. And we all love Frank Darby. We want Frank Darby to be that dude. Uh, but I haven't been hearing much about him. So that makes me a little bit sad. But Christian Blake is definitely on the rising name list. Um, other guy that I've got is Matt Hennessy uh, is my third guy. I did not expect this at all. I expected a full throttle battle, and in fact, I expected that we would possibly even see Drew Dahlman come out starting at the center role. But Matt Hennessy, and this is not really rumors, a lot of people have Matt Hennessy, uh, or talking about Matt Hennessy, out there leading that line with command, uh, you know, pointing out things, you know, leading the guys, pointing at J- you know Jake Matthews. Just full confidence out there, completely com- comfortable, polished in everything that he's doing um, out there and just leading our offensive line from the center position. Uh, I got tweets coming out from all the sources, got seeing articles from everywhere. Everybody's saying that Matt Hennessy is that dude at the center role for us on the offensive line, uh, which I'm all for. So obviously, this new regimen saw something on film, had some conversations with him, chatted with him, and said, you know what, you're going to be our guy as we go into uh, this offseason, or not this offseason, but as we go into this training camp, and you're going to be our guy. Um, Because they've got him in there leading full command, Drew Dahlman, I believe he's with the second team. But I think that pushes Drew Dahlman to that left guard battle. for the uh, you know our off or with our offseason pickup Josh Robinson, who's a favorite to land the left guard role. Uh, started four games last year, I believe, with the Jets, um, and then played in sixteen. But Josh Robinson and uh, Drew Dahlman seem to be the battle at the left guard role. There will be some other names emerge in there, especially at offensive line. It usually gets pretty competitive, especially with where you know where we're at with our offensive line. But Matt Hennessy 
is leading the offensive line from the center role um, with full tilt, which is really good to hear. You know, based off of um, you know, without since we lost, you know, when you lose a guy like Alex Mack, it's extremely important to find that that leader at center. You want to have somebody that can command, that can point things out, that's confident, that's leading, that's comfortable, and those are all the reports uh, that he looks just like that. So, some of my honorable mentions for rising stars um, from training camp. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, John Kaminsky. Um, I didn't want to say him in this list because I think that would be unfair. And I told y'all on my other episode, I'm a I'm a Kaminsky fanboy. So you're gonna hear me raise hell about Kaminsky um, until I am proven wrong that he is not going to be um, a a solid journeyman throughout the season. Other name I'm hearing about is Marlon Davidson. Uh, doing extremely well. Another guy I wanted to mention, but I just don't I don't know if he's you know going to make an impact in the season. I don't, I don't want to throw names out there uh, for guys after just a couple weeks that are showing out and making a name for themselves out there, but are not actually truly being considered. Chris Williamson at cornerback is getting a lot of attention. Uh, especially from a social media standpoint. I don't know how, how much the coaches are buying into it um, with some of the, uh, I don't want to say depth, um, but, you know, obviously A.J. Terrell, we talked about this on the last episode, A.J. Terrell is going to be our, you know, our, our, our 1A, you know, starting outside corner. Fabian Moreau should be the second, and then there's going to be a battle um, at that slot role, and there's some competitive names in there with, you know, you've got Isaiah Oliver and, um, you know, Kendall Sheffield and our draft pick, Darren Hall. And then, I mean, you're going to throw Chris Williamson in there again. I mean, where does he fit into all these guys? I don't think he's better than a Fabian Moreau or one of the other guys that I just mentioned. So, but he is showing out as well. Um, I've heard good things about Quadre Olison as well. Um, heard some good things about him. I'll tell you this though, this and this was not on the agenda. Okay, so I'm going off track here. Isaiah Oliver uh, has looked like shit, expectedly. Um, so uh, we can all um, rest easy that uh, the end of Isaiah Oliver could be near. Um, so uh, you know, he's been a nightmare. You know, since he's put on a Falcons uniform. So this could officially – I would not be shocked, and I think I said this in the cornerbacks episode, but I would not be shocked if he's not um, on this team at the end of training camp. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. But, um, guys, that is pretty much um, – that is pretty much a conclusion on some of the training camp news. Obviously, there's some other things out there. I didn't get into too much Matt Ryan stuff because I was going to start fanboying, but I will say this because um, I'm a Matt Ryan stand through and through. Uh, Matt Ryan spoke extremely high of, uh, of uh, Arthur Smith and the culture that he's creating, talked about how uh, he, you know, he has an expectation and he tells you what that expectation is in the locker room. And he's not afraid to remind you of that expectation on the field. That is a level of accountability that a lot of other coaches do not have. And the ones that do have that are extremely successful in the NFL. Huge culture shock from Dan Quinn. So um, a lot of good things from Matt Ryan talking about the coaches, and he looks sharp out there as well. So um, overall, we are having – a pretty successful training camp so far. Now, 
anybody can say that. All these guys, they have a fresh coach. They have fresh new schemes. They're excited to be learning these new things. But I'll tell you this, the culture is being implemented and the players are excited about being um, with this new regiment. guys that's a wrap on this episode of the heads up podcast make sure you subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on if you're on apple make sure you leave a five-star written review it helps out the podcast a ton you can find me on social media on twitter at heads up falcons you can find me on instagram at atlanta falcons podcast Make sure you follow me. Hit me up, man. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what you want to hear on the next episodes, and I'll be sure to make sure that I feature some of the topics that you send my way. Uh, Big shout-out to my producer. Thanks for all the hard work and editing that you put in on the podcast. Everybody out there, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.